The Bible says, how can a young person stay pure? By living according to God's word. I seek you with all my heart and do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word. How can someone stay pure? By living according to God's word. Will you pray with me this morning as we begin our service? Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together in this place of worship as we lift up the name of Christ. And Lord, as we recognize students who have walked through the Foundations program with this affirmation service this morning, Father, we pray that this would reflect you. And God, that you would guide and lead this service by the power of your Spirit. Open our hearts to your word and, Lord, to your work through these young individuals' lives, as they share their testimonies, I pray that they would impact us greatly. And Father, we thank you for what you're about to do in this service, and we give you all praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. What a great crowd. It's good to see the house of God full, and, and uh, a lot of good things happening. I want you to turn in your Bibles today to... Luke chapter 14. If you brought your Bible, turn it to Luke chapter 14. I want to speak about commitment this morning to, uh, to each of us here and in particular to these eight young people that we are affirming today in their, in their lives, in their faith, and what God is doing in their life. We especially want to focus on some of these things. We're very happy for you. Congratulations. In Luke chapter 14, I'm just going to read one verse. It's actually a verse that is set in a, uh, in a, uh, in a story of a banquet. And this verse comes alive off of the page. And it's in verse 27. Actually, I'm going to begin in verse 25. It says, now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That is a very powerful statement, and it isn't exactly what you think. I, I mean, God isn't saying, listen, I want you to just start hating your wife. I just want you to hate your husband. That isn't exactly what he's saying there. What he is saying here, he's bringing this out because of the intensity of what he wants to express here of coming to faith in Christ. It is a matter of deep commitment. This isn't something that we just lightly do and, and just kind of move through our life. And, and this is something that we just sort of hang on the different things that we do in life. But it is a deep life-changing kind of commitment that changes everything that we do. And it matters the most of all. And then in verse 27, and whoever does not hear, not, I'm sorry, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus is the storyteller. 
And he speaks of a great banquet prepared only for people who were invited to this banquet. This is not just sort of an open house type thing. These people had specific invitations to come to this wonderful banquet in which Jesus was going to be a part about it. But the most notable thing about this parable is this. It's not the banquet. It is not about the invited guests. It is not the generosity of the host, but it is the excuses of people who said, I cannot come to this banquet because I went out and bought a piece of land. I went out and bought a team of oxen and all of these things. There are various excuses. And Jesus picks up on this. And he begins this vital teaching here in chapter 14. It's a story about priorities. And it's a message about choices. God created uh, humanity with an incredible ability to reason and to make choices. Now we can train a dog to go out and choose the red ball and you you can actually do that and he'll get the red ball and not the green one or the black one. But that dog does not have the ability to reason and make decisions like you have. You can make a decision because you reason things out. You process these things in your mind and in your spirit. And every person in this room has choices. We make choices. We make decisions. And the older you get, you're just... uh, You're all 14, right? Not quite. Almost. You're 14. Today you're 14. (laughs) And pick up in your birthday whenever, but... The point is, you're going to... You make decisions. But from... Really, literally from this point on, you make more and more decisions every day of your life. This is a continual thing. This doesn't stop. This doesn't halt when you get into high school. It certainly won't stop when you leave high school. We continue to make decisions. You make choices. You reason these things out. I remember when our children were little, much smaller than you, we had a children's musical that we just loved to play. Our kids loved it. And we enjoyed listening to it also. It was called Ansylvania. Maybe some of you have heard it. And it had a catchy little tune on it called Ancy Ancy Ansylvania. <clears throat> and the main character in this was the character of Antony, who was an ant, as you might, as you might expect. But over and over and over, this was repeated many times, uh, uh, many times during this children's musical, and it was this. You win or lose by the way you choose. Say that with me. You win or lose by the way you choose. And that's true, isn't it? Tremendous truth in that. The choices you make in this life reveal different things about you and about your character. Oftentimes they become accurate barometers of what is important in your life. God has made an offer to each person to be a partaker in his kingdom 
and that takes priority over all. And then when we speak of commitment, when I'm at the crossroads of commitment, and there are those crossroads, when I am at the crossroads of commitment and I need to make a decision, I need to develop what is my next priority or whatever that might be, I've learned there are three things and I want to share these with you. They're very simple. <clears throat> Number one, I have to make a personal commitment. When I was making a decision to leave my job and go to Bible school to follow what I believed was God's calling on my life, Number one, I had to make a personal commitment. Now, there were people praying for me. There were people that I sought advice and counsel from. I read, I, I did all kinds of things. But listen to me, it boils down, you make a decision. It was up to me. It wasn't up to my friends, it wasn't up to uh, <clears throat> those who might advise me or anything like that, it was my decision. I had to make it, and I had to live with it then. Number two, my decision will always cost me something. <clears throat> Whether it's right or wrong, there's still a price to pay. When I left for Bible school, I left a very good job, a very good position, and I was going off to Bible, and what was I going to do? I'm going to work for minimum wage now for some kid who has a high school dropout. That isn't exactly how I planned it, Lord. And God had to kind of work on me on that one to get my attitude changed on that one just a little bit. But we have a great promise from God. Listen to what it is. It's from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. No doubt you've heard some of this before. For those who love God and who are called according to his purpose, all things work together for and does that mean if I make a bad decision, it'll work for good? Let me tell you something. God is so great and so incredible. He can take a bad decision that you make and eventually turn that thing around to where there is blessing. When Moses was 40 years old, he made a bad decision, a very bad decision. And what it got him was he got banished into the wilderness for another 40 years. That cost him something. But at the end of that 40 years, and Moses didn't know it, Moses woke up one morning. It looked like the same kind of morning he'd woken up to for the last 40 years. But today was different because God was going to speak to him out of a burning bush. And that was going to change the entire trajectory of his life. It started out bad. It went through a period of time. And God is reversing the whole thing and bringing it to good. That's our amazing God. And only God can do stuff like that. <clears throat> Number three, when I'm at a crossroads, <clears throat> my decision or commitment means that others are going to be influenced by it. You know, this is, has a ripple effect. It's like taking a stone and throwing it into the middle of a, a very calm pond, and you see, the, you see the ripples that are going out from that, from that stone toss right there. It's going to affect somebody. It's obviously going to affect me, but it's also going to affect others around you. Here's my prayer for you. God is waiting for people who will step out 
perhaps even stepping well beyond their comfort zones and totally commit their lives and themselves to the work of God. And I believe in this group right here. You may have it all mapped out in your mind and in your life. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to high school. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But I'm going to, one of you, two of you, eight of you, any one of you, God can simply say, no, you're not. I'm going to turn your life in this direction. And when he does, you're going to think that is the greatest thing that has ever happened in your life. Don't undersell yourself. Don't let anybody jam you in a box that says, this person can only do this, or this person isn't capable of this, or this person isn't bright enough for this. Let me tell you something. I graduated from high school well below the 50% line. I'm not necessarily proud of that. But I will tell you this, when God gets a hold of your life, there's a whole lot of things that begin to change. And I think the lowest grade I ever got in my postgraduate stuff was a B. If I'd have done that in high school, I could have been the valedictorian. Yeah. So much for that. Listen to me carefully. Great people become great people not because they're richer or smarter or at the right place at the right time or any of that stuff that you hear the world talk about. It's because they are more committed. That's how great people become great. It's the level of commitment. And along with that level of commitment, most generally comes a level of passion that God puts in your life and infuses into your life. That you want to serve God and you want to just absolutely sell out to him. I like how Daniel puts it. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. It's real simple. Daniel made up his mind. That's what the Bible says. Daniel was in a position to do a lot of different things. His life could have gone a lot of different ways. But Daniel made up his mind. He says, I'm serving God. Done. No more discussion. And in front of him was a lion's den. In front of him was a fiery furnace. Been a nice time to change your mind there. But he said, I'm serving God. I don't really care whatever, whatever else happens. doesn't really matter. I'm serving God. Serve God. Serve him with a passion. Serve him with a deep, deep commitment to the Lord. Let me leave a, another piece of advice to you. You can have all of the training all the talent, all the experience, all of the personality, all of the reputation. But if you do not have character, i got to be honest with you, you don't have much at all. When it all boils down, it boils down to character. Character. The foundation of the important things of our life 
is always character. I have a book on my shelf by Charles Spurgeon, who is a preacher of, I don't know, maybe 100, 150 years ago. But he, he uh, along with being a tremendous preacher, he also operated a small Bible school. And the book that I have is called Lectures to My Students. <clears throat> and it's very enjoyable reading. It's interesting reading. And in that book, he makes this statement, and I quote, all actions will always speak louder than words. So an ill life will effectively drown out the voice of the most eloquent. Listen to me, building character is a lifelong experience. You don't do it in one weekend. You don't do it in one semester. You don't do it just because you made it through middle school. You don't do it out of high school. It is a lifelong process, a cumulative work that involves all of the experiences of life. And this comes from discipline and devotion and courage and commitment. And all of it, unfortunately, takes patience. You have to be patient. Character is always built on decisions we make, whether they're great or small. So, you've just finished a very, I think, intensive two-year course, and that's now complete. And so I, I congratulate, that, congratulate you on that. You have done the work. But there's one other exam, and that is the one in which we all participate in, you and I and all of us in this room, every person, when we stand before God and we give an account of our life. What did you do? I urge you to finish strong, and I urge you to finish well. When we commit ourselves to Christ, when we take the risks, when we live passionately, when we pay attention to what's going on around us and what God is doing through us, when we commit ourselves to living out the great visions and dreams that God would place inside of our heart, if we're willing to be used by the Holy Spirit to expect great things from God, then I believe the world will have good news delivered on their doorstep and the good news comes from you. So I congratulate you.